October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I thought that I would talk about that a little bit. In this episode, I am going to speak about some personal experiences that I have had. I'm also going to be talking about some topics in future episodes that people have asked me to talk about. What I'm going to talk about in this one is going to be pretty difficult to speak about as it is not something I normally do talk about. But I watched this show over the weekend and it hit so close to home. I found myself thinking about things that I haven't thought about in a long time. And the truth is, I am a domestic violence survivor and I'm not talking about my parents. When I was 17 years old, there was a lot of things going on in my life. My father had just gotten out of prison. The physical and psychological abuse was very strong. I was looking for an escape, just any way out. And I found that in a person that I had been friends with for a couple of years. I had gotten arrested for shoplifting. The charges were later dismissed because it was mistaken identity. Long story short, the woman in the video had long dark hair and I had medium length blonde hair. So it was easy to prove my innocence in that. After I had gotten arrested, my parents were all but happy about it. They demanded that I leave the house. I wasn't exactly getting kicked out, but they just didn't want to see my face is what they said. So I called one of the only people that I could think of, and that was my now ex-husband. I don't talk about him much, and the things that I went through, because like I had explained in other episodes, I don't like to speak badly about people in my daughter's lives. I want to protect them because I don't want people to know that these people are this way. But as I sat and watched this show, I realized that I spent a lot of time talking about it in private, but not very much in public. I did make a few TikTok videos about some of the abuse, but I never really got into depth about it. But I want to, because I think it's time. I've been holding a lot of it in for so long, and a lot of it was because I was afraid of what he would do. But I'm not afraid anymore. We have been separated now since 2007. The night that I decided I wanted to end things with him was on Halloween that year. We had gone out trick-or-treating with our daughters. Because of his certain habits, I had to shop for costumes that day. We never had a lot of money because it either went to my father for a debt that never seemed to get paid off or it went up his nose. He had a lot of problems with that, among other things. My friend had come over and me and her wore the same outfit and said that we were going out as identical twins. After trick-or-treating was over, me and her went and got milkshakes and just hung out at her aunt's work. When I returned home, my front door was open, but the screen door 
was shot. And I could hear him screaming to my daughter to get him a beer out of the fridge. I walked in the door and essentially just said that she's not a bartender. She's five years old. Go get it yourself. I noticed that there were two minors that I worked with. I believe one was 17 and her sister was about 20. How exactly they ended up at my house, I'm not entirely sure. They also had a young man with them that had just gotten out of rehab. They were drinking and I guess just hanging out. I wasn't exactly excited to find out these two girls were at my house, especially because I wasn't there, even more so because they were dressed extremely provocative. Which, if a woman wants to do that, that's entirely up to her. But you're not going to do it in front of my young children and in front of my husband. So I expressed my feelings on that and I walked out into the kitchen. To be completely honest, I don't know why I walked into the kitchen or what I even did while I was in there. I just remember hearing the screen door slam shut and I saw my friend walking to her car outside. I ran outside after her and asked her what was going on and begged her to stay because of the state of mind that he was in. I really didn't want to be there alone because he had one of his friends from back home staying with us and when he was around them, it tended to be a very toxic situation. She told me that she had said something to him about not using my daughter as a barmaid and he snapped at her and screamed to her not to tell him how to raise his children. I went back inside and I demanded that he apologize to her that she was just sticking up for me and what I wanted, which of course he did because there were other people there to witness, so he had to look like the better person. She eventually left and I begged his friend to take him out anywhere that he could. I said I didn't care where, just as long as he was not home and asked that he would keep him out until at least me and the girls went to bed. I knew how he was and I knew how that night was going to end if we did not separate ourselves. My ex-husband went into the bathroom and was attempting to put in his contact lenses, which he was never really good at, and it was something that I was always forced to do. So when he asked me to, I simply said, you're 26 years old, you're a grown man, do it yourself. I don't even know what had come over me. It was just like, I was done with all of that. I didn't want to fight. I did not want to argue. But I also did not want to do anything for him either. I was just done. So he continued fiddling with his eyes in the bathroom and I had said some stuff to his friend that upset him. And he came out of the bathroom screaming, calling me a slut and a whore and kicking our trash can. I remember sitting there just so upset that he destroyed that trash can because I had painted it to match my kitchen. I don't remember all the details, but somehow he ended up dragging me into the bedroom by my hair. 
He was physically and sexually assaulting me. I was trying so hard to escape. Eventually I was able to and I begged that man that was there to not let him follow me and I walked out my front door. I noticed that my garage door was slightly open. We had like a little side door that we used to throw our trash out into our trash cans. So I walked into that door and just sat on my dryer and started calling some friends. At that point, I didn't know if I wanted to get the police involved again for, I don't know, the eighth time or if it was just something where I wanted to have friends come over. But I did want to talk to someone, so I called a close friend of mine. And I could just hear him screaming and going on and on in the house, screaming over and over, where is she, where is she, who the hell does she think she is, who is she with, and just all sorts of things. And I just sat and listened and cried. There were so many horrible things he was saying about me in front of my friends, or so I thought were my friends. But I couldn't help but think to myself, how stupid is this man sitting here screaming about me, knowing that I did not take my car and not even figuring out that I was in the garage. Literally, I was just on the other side of the door from him. After a while, I heard my friends leave, so I walked out to the street to say goodbye to them. I guess he noticed that they had stopped and assumed it was me that they were talking to because he came outside and was screaming at me to get back into the house and a whole bunch of other things. I just started running away. I was running up and down the street screaming. There was a fire, begging for someone to come out and help me. Nobody did. I was absolutely terrified of what he was going to do. He was on his third set of extended probation for assaulting me. So he had already been charged three times in that state. He had a couple more in the state that we used to live in. This abuse had been going on and escalating for eight years now. And I had attempted to leave multiple times. They say the average woman tries to leave seven times before she actually leaves the abusive situation, and I think I got pretty close to that average. He promised me that he was going to leave, that I just needed to come home first so that the kids would not be left alone in the house. So I said, fine, you will have five minutes after I walk in that door or I'm calling the police. The biggest mistake I made that night was I put my cell phone down on the computer desk. He was just belligerently screaming at me. A lot of emotional and psychological abuse. I wasn't crying anymore. I was trying to hold in my emotions. I guess that angered him because he picked up my cell phone. Then he grabbed the house phone and he started to walk out the front door. But before he did, he turned around and threw the phones into the wall, shattering them into hundreds of pieces, and said, go ahead and try to call the cops now, bitch, and then walked out the door. 
I waited a few minutes to make sure that he was actually gone, and I ran across the street to my neighbor's house and asked if they would just send the police. I said that I had my daughter sleeping, so I couldn't stay very long, but I needed the police and possibly an ambulance. I don't entirely remember every single thing. I do know my daughters were in the home, but they were asleep. The police came out and asked a whole bunch of questions, and then they called out CSI, which was weird to me because they had never done that before. Any of the other times he had assaulted me, it was just a quick conversation with a police officer. At the time, I did not mention the sexual assault because I did not know that it was a sexual assault. Because when he had done it before, I was told by my father that I was obligated to have sex with him. So it just did not occur to me that it was something that I needed to talk about. They took pictures of my injuries, which were way more extensive than I had even realized or had ever had before. I had marks on my face, marks on my arms. My knee had gotten dislocated and my wrists were sprained. I also had a concussion because he was hitting me on the back of my head. It was really bad. The police took pictures of the house. They took pictures of the phones broken on the floor. They explained that it was a felony and was called tampering with a witness because he was trying to take my only way of calling the police for help away from me. My house just looked like a war zone. The couches were flipped over. The coffee table had been thrown across the room. I mean, it was just destruction all over the living room and kitchen. I filed charges and a warrant had been issued for his arrest. I was explained, as I was with the other times, that it was not me pressing the charges, that it was the state, and they were also issuing a no-contact order, that I could fill out paperwork, that I did not want to testify, but they urged me to testify, and I went to bed out in the living room with my friend. I had called and asked her to come back over after everything that happened. She knew about all of the abuse and had been trying to talk me into leaving. I think this was the first time that she actually witnessed any of it, but it was just his temper. It was just emotional abuse that she witnessed. The other people that actually witnessed the physical assault refused to testify. They literally watched him do what he did and heard the screams from the bedroom and did nothing. They did nothing at the house and they couldn't even come to court to speak on my behalf. Looking back over the eight years, there's probably hundreds of people that witnessed the things that he did to me and did nothing about it. The next day I went to my job to hang out with my friends because I just needed to get out of that house. We still had not located my ex-husband at that point. While I was there, 
I stepped outside to answer the phone and my father had gotten a call from his father and we found out that he was in Virginia. He had left the state and was going back home. I was, I was just in disbelief. It was like I was happy he was out of the state and away from me, but I was also concerned that he would never face the charges that he was charged with. I was just conflicted if I wanted him back in the same place as me or not. After a couple of weeks, I did talk him into coming back, and when I knew that he was close to home, I called the police and said he was on his way and would be back within a couple of hours. The night before Thanksgiving that year, he was arrested. I had to show up at his court hearing the next morning. I had explained to the judge that this was an ongoing issue. I showed up with two black eyes and a mobilizer on my knee and wrist braces. It was obvious that I was hurt pretty bad. I did not exactly want to testify. I just wanted to see what was going to happen to him. And I was hoping that because there was a felony, this time he would not be released and he would not get probation. Especially because this was the third time that he was violating a probation for doing the exact same thing again. They do arraignments through video chat there. I guess he saw me sitting in the courtroom and that was when he said to the judge that I was there to speak on his behalf. There were a couple of times where he forced me into signing that paperwork that I would not testify and essentially dropped the no contact order. I was just too terrified not to, but I was also terrified to do it. So I said to the judge that I wasn't there to speak on his behalf, that this was an ongoing problem, and that I wanted him to have a longer sentence. She disagreed and extended his probation for the domestic battery charge another year and released him on his own recognizance for the tampering with a witness charge. That charge was later dropped by the district attorney without even talking to me or anything like that. He violated probation for assaulting me, and her solution was just to extend his current probation another year. Pretty genius, if you ask me. When we got home that night after the big Thanksgiving dinner, I told him that he could stay until Christmas but I wanted a divorce. I knew he was going to end up going back home, so I figured I would let him spend one last Christmas with his daughters. He begged me to stay and work on the marriage, but I was done. And I realized that I had been done for a very long time because I wasn't even sad. I wasn't even upset. I didn't feel like I was losing anything. I was just done. So he left December 27th, 2007. He still was on probation. And now he has three warrants that were issued in January of 2008. 
They will not go pick him up on those warrants. Because the felony was dropped, the other charges were just misdemeanors. And every year since then, I call multiple times begging them to go get him. I have offered to pay for the extradition myself because I feel like I deserve the little bit of justice that I was given, even though it was nowhere near enough. So basically, he committed a crime that he was convicted of by pleading guilty to that crime. He was sentenced, and then he took off to avoid having to serve that sentence. And here we are 13 years later, and still he has not done anything. And he continues to abuse me. It's no longer physical or sexual, obviously. It's emotional and psychological. Despite the fact that I have been no contact with him since 2015. This was just one night. One night of many over the course of eight years of our relationship. But it was the last He hid from me for five years and refused to divorce me. I had paid private investigators and a whole bunch of other people to try to find his address so I could serve him with divorce papers. At this point, he had custody of our daughters. When I let my daughters go to him, he had never hurt them, not once. Almost every single fight we had was done away from them. And I trusted him when I shouldn't have. But I did not want my daughters to go into the foster care system when I signed myself into the hospital. And he had agreed to return them as soon as I was discharged. Had I known at the time that I could have filed paperwork to have them immediately returned, I would have. But lesson learned, I guess. He is not a good person. He never was. I love my daughters and I love that he gave them to me. But I wish I never met him. I wish that day when I had gotten arrested that I did not call him. I wish that I never married him even though I was forced to. In fact, my mother had to drug me just to get me down the aisle. And now because we do have two children... We are connected for life. He is currently married to my ex-best friend, a woman who knew I was pregnant with my daughters before he even did, a witness to most of the crimes that he committed against me. And she does everything and anything she can to keep me out of their lives because she is threatened by me. And that includes keeping my daughters away from me. Now that they are older, we have a very good relationship and we talk all the time. They can never break that again. That last night was one of the worst assaults out of any of them. The first one I'll talk about in another episode, but it was nothing compared to that one. And each and every one after got worse and worse and worse and worse but with each assault I did get stronger and I wanted to leave so bad but it was not easy because if I left him 
I would have to go back to my parents and he was obviously the lesser of two evils. I did not want to go to the shelter because I did not want to be homeless. Ultimately, I ended up going to that shelter to escape my parents just less than two years later. I think the fact that I was able to ask him to leave helped me with the strength to start to realize what my parents was doing was not normal. In fact, because of that last night is why I had started going to the domestic violence support groups. And I remember my first one, they handed me the wheel of power and control. When I was reading the things in this wheel, I just started crying and the group facilitator asked if it reminded me of my husband and I said that it actually reminded me of my parents and I asked if she thought that I was being abused by them. I'd started going to those groups to talk about my ex-husband and I ended up talking about my parents the entire time. So while what I went through with him was absolutely horrible, it led me to the place that saved my life. So I can't be anything but grateful for that. To fully explain the extent of all the abuse is not going to be done in this episode. I do want to talk about it throughout this month because like I said, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. My story is not unique. The justice system fails victims more than it does help them sometimes. In fact, the majority of homeless women have left abusive situations, and that's why they are homeless. That's what our choice is. Be abused or be homeless. Not a very easy choice to make. Abuse is inconsistent, but homelessness is constant. I'm going to include the domestic violence hotline in the description of this episode, and I urge anyone that is in an abusive situation to call when you are in a safe place. You are not alone, and there is life on the other side. In the show that I watched this weekend, that woman was able to completely change her life. She only went back once. She was lucky because most go back, like I said, seven times. I wish I knew what was happening to me a lot sooner. And I think one of the biggest things was I was just so young and I'd experienced so much of the stuff that my parents were doing, so it already just felt so normal. But the biggest thing was my father never did anything to him. And I had it in my mind that if he actually was doing something wrong, my father would have seriously hurt him. But he never did. He bailed him out of jail. That last court date, he actually picked him up from the jail on Thanksgiving, even though I begged him not to. Both of my parents tried to talk me out of the divorce. It was just a losing situation before I even got into it. So to anyone listening, please reach out for help. I had a lot of friends telling me that he was a bad guy 
and he was in every way he possibly could have been. Most do not make it out of these types of situations alive. I am glad that I did. Just yet another thing I survived that I was never supposed to. And the only reason I can think of why is because I need to tell my story so others know that they are not alone. So again, if anyone out there needs help, please call the number in the description. You can also click on my link tree and message me on any of my social media platforms and I will try to help you out as much as I can. I have a lot of friends in a lot of places and access to a lot of resources. They do not stop and it never gets better. It only gets worse. You can save yourself. I saw a quote that I absolutely love and it says that you are strong enough to survive the abuse. You are strong enough to recover from it. That kind of strength only a few people have and I hope someday we can live in a place where people will never need it. Some of my episodes this month are going to be talking about this topic. I will be opening up a lot about my marriage with my ex-husband. It is not going to be easy to talk about, but it's time. He may never go to jail for what he did to me, but that doesn't mean the world doesn't get to know what he did.